one conversation left with someone you loved, what would you say? Maybe if you could have one conversation again with someone you love, what would you say? But, but importantly today, if you could only have one conversation with someone or with those that you love, what would you say? You know, I think back on this pandemic, it has been uh, something that we all have lived through and something we didn't sign up for, amen? Like if we had to do it all over again, we wouldn't do it our way, but sometimes we have to surrender and do it God's way. And so for me, I think back that there was a time in the, in the fall of last year that we were at the lake and I began to not feel too well. And yeah, I began to worry and I guess worry got the best of me that evening and, and I just knew because I had met a young man who was about my age who had been in the ICU and the thing during COVID at that time is, you know, you could go into ICU and you could be there for a little while, you could be there for a long time and you might not come back out. And so he was a young man just like myself about my age. We went to school together with his wife. So I'll never forget laying in bed that night, Kendall was laying beside me and just something told me, it was like, what if, what if I have COVID? What if I never could tell Kendall all the things that I wanted to tell her? And so you know what? That evening, I, in the, in the mis- middle of that night, I began to just write a note to her. If you will, my last will and testament, just to say all the things that I wish that I knew that she could know about my heart and all God had done and things that I was sorry for of how I had not done what maybe I should have done. Lo and behold, I almost got deleted. I panicked. I was like, well, Lord, maybe I wasn't supposed to send it. But I sent it to her. I got it back. I sent it to her. And so she read it. Well, lo and behold, I didn't have COVID. But I didn't know that at the time, right? Because what happened with the other young man was that he went in, and then they didn't know if he was going to come back out. And so what if you couldn't tell your loved ones what you thought? And so today, I want you to take your copy of God's Word. I want you to turn over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're going to look at, um, at this chapter. Now, for those of you that know, sometimes I struggle to get through a verse, much less an entire chapter. But Lord willing, I want us to read this chapter with this thought in mind. This is one final conversation. As Jesus is preparing for the cross, we see this final conversation that he has with his heavenly father. And I just want to show you a few things that the Lord has shown me as I have been led to this place for this time. And so today, let's look at John chapter 17. You'll find these similar words. Look in your copy of God's Word or on your app or on the screen behind me. John 17, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. So, so listen now, we're, this is Jesus praying. It's, it's like we're a fly on the wall as he has this conversation with his heavenly father. Don't, don't lose that picture of where we're at this morning in the text. The hour has come, glorify your son that your son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. 
Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they, now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me, and I am praying for them. And I am praying for the world. I'm, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves And I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also... wiggle that real quick. (laughs) I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Verse 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, bless you, that they also may be in us. So the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you have sent me and love me even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow, that is a long drink of water. But as we've said this morning, we are looking at this final conversation that Jesus is having with his father. So one of the things I want you to see first and foremost is there are a handful of key words that I want you to see as we read this passage. And those key words are as follows. Jesus talks about glory, his glory. He talks about his word, the, Lord, the Lord's word. He talks about the word believe. Over and over again, he talks about what? About one, that we may be one just as they are one. He's talking, in essence, about unity. He's talking about truth. And so this morning, as we dive through this text, I I pray that the Lord will help you to see something maybe you've never seen before. I think back just a few weeks ago, we talked about unity. What did we say about unity? About that oneness of being, it's not all being the same, right? That we're all created uniquely, 
But when we think about oneness, when we think about unity, what is unity? We said a few weeks ago that what? Unity is a state of being undivided and having oneness, a condition of harmony. Furthermore, we went on to say this, that we don't create unity, Jesus does. We can foster it and encourage it, though. And so, as you see here, the first word, we talked about unity, right? We'll see that later in the text. But one of the first things I want you to see in these first few verses is the word glory. Over and over again, throughout this entire passage, he talks about his glory. Now, also kind of, if you will, as we notice this, this, this prayer that Jesus is praying, what is commonly known as the high priestly prayer, we, we see Jesus praying for three different groups or three different people throughout this prayer. The first six verses, he is praying for himself, okay? So as you look this morning, Jesus is praying for himself. We see in verse 1, so let's look through this together. When Jesus had spoken these words, what are these words? It's what he spoken previously in, in there in John's gospel, 16 verse, I mean chapter 16 and chapter 15, right? He's spoken these words. He did what? He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come, do what? Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. I think this morning as I think about this word glory, I don't know about you, have you ever thought about the Lord's glory, right? We pray that. Lord, may you be glorified as we gather, right? You've probably heard me or Austin pray that. You might have heard someone else say that. It's all about his glory. Well, for me, I think back on a book as, as I read that. I go back to a few years back. I read this book by John Piper. I read the majority of the book. And it's called Brothers Were Not Professionals. It's, it's written to pastors, and it's a radical plea of what ministry is really supposed to be about. But I'll never forget in chapter 2 of that book, he talks about the Lord's glory. And I read that chapter, and even as I reread it this weekend, pulling this quote from that book, I'm thinking, Lord, what? Like, it still baffles me. Right, it, 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 I still can't wrap my head around it. But listen to what John Piper says about God's glory. He says, Many people are willing to be God-centered as long as they feel that God is man-centered. It is a subtle danger. We may think we are um, centering our lives on God when we are really making Him a means to self-esteem. Over and against this danger, I urge you to ponder the implications, brothers, Listen to this last statement, that God loves his glory more than he loves us, and this is the foundation of his love for us. It is all about God's glory, and he will not be robbed of his glory. Amen? It is about his glory and his glory alone. So then we see, as we look in the text, back to John 17, since you have given them authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. Now what's interesting is, I highlight that word eternal life because as Jesus is praying, he gives us the definition of what eternal life is. And what does he say? That they may know you, the, one, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
Friends, that is eternal life. It is a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. You know, as I think about this this morning, that eternity begins at the time of our salvation. That if you're a saved saint of the Lord, that that eternity has already begun. That we're already living for eternity. That we will live with Him. And so one thing I, I think about is, how often, you know, we, we think about church, we think about what we do, we, we think about worshiping, we think about what all's going on in songs, and it's like, listen, like we're just, this is just preparation for what we're going to be doing for the rest of eternity. This is eternal life. They may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Look at verse 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me. Having accomplished the work that you gave me. Really quickly, there is work to be done, amen? If Jesus had a job when he came to earth, how much more important is it that we also have a job? That there's work to be done. And Jesus was living out the Father's will all the way to the very end. He didn't get to a point and say, oh, I'm retired and I'm kicking back and I'm relaxing now. No, there was work to be done. I think about my, my, my friend that I got to sit under, John Cook, a precious missionary who had been in, um, who had been in Asia for many years. And I thought about him, and I, and I sat across from him, and we talked about it, and I, and I very quickly just got to ask him, I said, Mr. John, what would you tell a young man in ministry? You, you traveled the world, you've seen the Lord work, and what would you tell me? And he said, son, he said, I want to continue to do what God wants me to do until he calls me home. And that's exactly what Mr. John did. He knew the task that was set before him. Jesus There was work for Jesus to do. There's work for us to do. Listen, there's a plan and a purpose for our lives. And we can know those two things when we have a personal relationship with Jesus. There is a plan and a purpose for your life. Do you know that this morning? I want to remind you too that sometimes in our lives that there there is a plan and there is a purpose. And there are seasons Amen. We're, we're not going to always do the same thing day in and day out, but there are seasons. I think about my precious mom as, as I was in business. Kendall and I were in business with my parents. Never do that, by the way. Like, we're, family is messy to begin with, but like, go into business together and that gets extremely messy. And, and holidays are no fun because you find yourself talking about the business. Long story short, back in about 2006 or seven or so, you know, we had this little thing, we went through a recession. And so my wife was working for my parents. She realized that, you know, things weren't the way they needed to go. And so she moved on and she got a new job. My mom hung on and she was there. And mom was like, I just don't know why we're doing this. And so finally, one day she came to the conclusion. She said, you know what, we're done. We're, we're just going to lock the door and we're going to let it sit. And she didn't know what was next. But what the Lord had in store for her was this, that she would become a caretaker for her mother and for my dad's mother. You see, like, again, we we, we have what we want to do, but are we living in where God wants us to be? 
And so when she came to the end of herself and, and they locked that door for the final time, she entered a new season and her life took on a new purpose for such a time as that. And so I want to remind you this morning that as we know the Lord, that there's work to be done, but also that we can know that plan and purpose that he has for our lives as we have that personal relationship with the Lord. Look with me too in verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That reminds me of what John tells us in John chapter 1. Look with me at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So as Jesus is saying here, later as we hear this prayer in John 17, he's saying, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that you had with me before the world existed. He, he was with God when the world was brought into existence Thank God that John reminds us in verse 14, he says, chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's press on. So Jesus has prayed for Himself. Now, starting in verse 6, we see that Jesus is praying for His disciples. He's praying for his disciples. I have manifested your name to the people, verse 6, whom you have gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. They've kept your word. Are you keeping the Lord's word? Are you living that out in your lives on a daily basis? His disciples did. Verse 7, Now... They know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Right? His word, he, he mentions, I've, they've kept your word. I've given them the words that you have given me. There's life and death in our words. They have received them. They received the word of God and they have come to know in truth that Jesus came from the Father. And they did what? They believed that you sent me. Look at verse 9. I am praying for them. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for us. He, the scripture tells us that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Praise the Lord for that. But look at what else he says as he's praying for his disciples. He says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. Verse 10, all are yours, and yours are mine, and I am what? Glorified in them. So I want to ask you this morning this simple question as we read that truth in verse 
10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Here's the question I've come to ask you this morning. Does your life glorify God? Does your life reveal Jesus' character and presence? Does it? I'm thankful for men of God recently... Chris Plant invited a few of us to go to a men's conference, and at that men's conference, one of the pastors stood up and he talked about a valley that he had walked through. He talked about a book book that had helped him, not only that it had helped him, but then they gave that book to all of the pastors. We had a little meeting after that first night, and I began to read that. And as we think this morning about whether or not Jesus' character and presence is, is revealed in our lives, listen to what Dane Ortland says in, is in his book, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Listen to what he says as he's describing Jesus. Meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Are you allowing Jesus to glorify himself through you? Hey, if I could just be transparent in the last year as I've been with y'all, I think you've seen that I, if we were to judge me by the word and, and by what Dane Ortland says, I've missed the mark a few times, amen? I have. But I'm not perfect. And no man of God that ever stands behind this pulpit will be. They're not to be put on pedestals. We're to look to Jesus. I'm thankful for passages like this today, like passages like this and quotes like this. You know why? I shared that on Facebook the other day, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous when you share what God is showing you because what? Then as you share that, other people can do what? They can hold you accountable. Lo and behold, it wasn't even two hours, and I totally missed the mark on this. I did. But are we allowing the Lord to, to reveal those areas in our lives where we mess up? Are we being prideful and say, I don't make any mistakes, I don't sin? No, we do. I do. I'll be, I'm the chief of sinners here at Bethel, as Paul would say. Are we meek? Are we humble? Are we gentle? Not harsh, reactionary, not trigger happy. Man. Okay, I'll skip on because some of y'all that might hit a little too close to home. I don't know. It's challenged me. So verse 12, let's look at verse 12 together. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, being Judas, that Scripture might be fulfilled. You know what's interesting is David tells us something interesting, Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, whom ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. 
Jesus loved Judas. There are Judases in your life as well. Are you loving the Judas in your life? Verse 13, But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you do what? Keep them from the evil one, that you keep them from Satan. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Listen, what does it mean to sanctify really quickly? It's to set them apart for holy service to God. We're to be set apart. And we're to be sanctified and set apart through through the truth of his word. Verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Listen, just want to ask you a question off of verse 18. Are we living sent? He's sending us out into the world. He didn't say I'm sending them to church. I'm sending them into the world. Are we living sent? We talked about baptism this morning, that we're to do what? That first command, I love the verbs in the Great Commission. It says that we're to go, G-O, go. That we're to make disciples and we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are we living sent? Verse 19, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. In essence, he's saying I've set myself apart that they also may be set apart in truth. Look with me at the last half of this where Jesus is praying. So he went from praying for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he's praying for all future believers here from 20 through 26. I do not ask these for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through your word. Friends, our words matter. And where are we pointing people? I'm thankful for Mr. Huth, who I've had the privilege to meet and interact with at Chick-fil-A, he's 96 years young, been at one particular church for 50 plus years. He's taught in school, but he's teaching me. And he comes in often, and we have these quick conversations. And he, ha- he, he mentioned something to me the other day, and I thought about this as I was studying this week. He simply goes and he asks people as he goes, we're living sent. He's living sent. He goes into the world, and as he interacts with people, he says, where will you go when you die? And recently, as we talked about that, he said, you know, he said, what's interesting to me, he said, you don't know how often people tell me, nobody's ever asked me that before. Nobody's ever asked people that before. And he he allows them the answer. Based on their answer, he says, well, if they say, I'm going to heaven, you know what he asked him? He says, well, tell me how I can get there. 
what's interesting is that tells you a lot about whether that person is a believer. Amen? And he said he's got some interesting answers over the years. But you know what he, he told me recently? He said he had a young lady, she was about 18 or 19 years old, at a schoolhouse restaurant in Scranton where he goes every Saturday to just encourage people that are there, the children, the youth groups that are serving. And he said that young lady gave him probably one of the best answers that he had ever heard. That was through Christ and Christ alone. That we're to be sanctified, that we're to be living apart, separate lives. It's beautiful what he said. Listen, I've run out of time. I just want to, I want to call your attention as you see through this text what he talks over and over again about oneness. He talks about his word. He talks about glory. Look at verse 24, though. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. That's his desire that we would what be with him. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Friends, it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are we making much of Jesus Are we loving and living like Jesus? Sometimes on social media or a post that I write, people use hashtags as a way to identify these things, to group things these days, define things. And I'll use these two hashtags, love well and lead well. Friends, we're to be loving well. We're to be loving like Jesus. We're to be leading well and pointing others to Jesus Friends, not only should we pray like Jesus, but we should live and love like him too. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are you praying for? I encourage you this week to go back to this text and begin to reread that. And if I can just simply remind you one final thought for today that John tells us in 1 John chapter 4. He says what? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this record. Thank you for this prayer that you've prayed for us. Father, that you prayed over us that we may know you, that we may be set apart, that we may be living lives that honor and glorify you. Father, this morning I pray as we enter this Easter week, as we enter this week of where we need to consider what it cost you for our sins. Father, you had a plan and a purpose, and you came and you finished that work of which your Father had given you. And so, Father, I pray that we realize the plan and purpose that you have for each and every one of us. Father, that we would be about your business, that we would be about making much of Jesus as we go through this old world, that we would remember that not only are we called, not only are we sanctified, not only do you want to be glorified, Father, that you're sending us into the world so that others may see you. And so, Father, I pray this week as we prepare for this Easter, Lord, help us to see others, to see Jesus in us. It's not about bunnies and candy and Easter baskets, Father. It's about an empty tomb. And so, Father, I pray this week that we would would meditate, that we would ponder what you did to rescue us from our sin 
Rescue rescue us from the debt that we could not pay ourselves. Father, I pray now, Lord, that we just realize that you're praying for us, that you love us, that you want us to be glorified, that you want to be glorified in and through us. And so, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, thank you for your truth. Lord, may we live, may we love and lead well as we leave this place. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.